everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's very first sake podcast, and I am your host. My name is John Puma from the Sake Notes, also uh, the guy who runs the internet sake discord. It's a fun place to talk about sake and sip with people on Thursday nights. You should come join us sometime. And uh, on this show, I'm the guy who's the, the regular sake guy, not the professional sake guy. And I'm your host, Timothy Sullivan. I'm a sake samurai. I'm a sake educator. And I'm also the founder of the Urban Sake website. And every week, John and I will be here tasting and chatting about all things sake doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand. Mm-hmm. I know it. Um, uh, I got to say, I, I do love my role here as the enthusiastic amateur. <laughs> I get to enjoy every week with you, yes. uh, especially on weeks like this one where we get to do one of the more interesting series that we do on this show. It's always exciting. I feel like we've been playing it a little safe lately. And we have to get back up on that tightrope and on the knife's edge. (laughs) We're taking some chances today, is that what you're saying? Yes, we're going to roll the dice. Oh, all right then. Uh, Can we we please let the wonderful people at home know what we're rolling this week? Well, we're dipping our toe back into the world of extreme sake. Extreme. Yes. Extreme. Extreme. Hulk smash. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, this is a fun series where we go after your not not run-of-the-mill types of sake. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. And what have some of the extremes been that we've done already? We did extreme robust rice milling. Mm -hmm. So very... Extreme sweetness. We did extreme sweetness. Mm. And today, we're going to be doing something really interesting and both... You and I are pretty sure that this may not be our usual type of sake, Mm. but I'm super curious to taste it. Now, everyone who listens to our podcast regularly is going to know what nama sake is. Nama means raw, and nama sake is unpasteurized, right? Totally. Yeah, Yeah. unpasteurized sake. We talk about that. Uh, with some of our earlier episodes, we've yeah. gone through these different types, what these different levels of pasteurization mean, and we were very specific about, uh, you know, the right way to take care of our unpasteurized sake. And what is the golden rule for unpasteurized namasake, John? You refrigerate it, uh, and you have it fresh. Yes, drink it fresh. Drink it young. Yes. <laughs> That's what we always say. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, all right. So extreme Nama. So it's very, very fresh then. No, this is exactly the opposite. We are going to explore a new trend in the world of extreme sake and we are tasting aged Nama sake. Uh, um, how aged are we talking here, Tim? Well, like a couple of, couple of months. The sake we are tasting completely unpasteurized no water added, no charcoal filtering, no heat treatment of any kind. This sake is seven years old. So not, not to be showing my age a little bit here and, and making a Ghostbusters reference, but this is a little bit like crossing the streams, Tim. You said, you said aging the Nama was bad. <laughs> Most people say that unpasteurized sake is meant to be consumed young and fresh. But there is a school of thought. There is a philosophy out there 
that taking this raw, unpasteurized sake and aging it can bring out new aspects to the sake. And we are putting that to the test today, you and me. Hmm. It's going to be an interesting one. Yes. All right. We're going to break the... Like, this is a... That is like a... That is a a golden rule, Tim. I know. It's <laughs> breaking a, the golden rule. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what are your experiences with aged sake in general? Like, just forget Nama for a second. We did an episode on Koshu, which is aged sake, just in general. Any other experiences with aged sake? Um, well, I've had uh, wonderfully aged sakes that were aged uh, chilled. I think we've talked about that mm. in the past, too. Yeah. Uh, there's a, the... the um, the Yukimoro from Hakai-san is three-year aged mm -hmm. in a very cold environment. I'm very fond of that. And there are quite a few sakes from Born that are aged for one year chilled. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an old hand at aged sake <laughs> as long as you keep it really cold the whole time. Yeah, and those sakes you've all mentioned have all been pasteurized twice. So going, yes. going into this, they are shelf-stable, and then they get super chilled and left for three years or so but this completely unprotected unaged non-heat treated unpasteurized sake sitting around for seven years oh my goodness and um wow what's that gonna do to a sake we are going to find out this is a little bit of uncharted territory for myself as well i've had aged sake aged at room temperature yes but honestly Nama sake, unpasteurized sake, I can't say I've had that much that's been aged for this long. This is madness. Yes. <laughs> the world is turned upside down. Nothing makes sense. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, in all honesty, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. I, I really don't know what to expect. And yeah. it'll be fun. Now, I do have to say, people may be wondering at home, listening, what if I'm interested in tasting it? Can I get aged unpasteurized sake for myself here in the states well tim we do not as a policy unless we have a really good reason taste on this show sake that we can't get here in the states that's right mm -hmm. so so we, we're breaking one golden rule <laughs> but we're keeping true to another yes <laughs> yes so before anybody worries that they're going to have to listen to this episode again in seven years to taste their own <laughs> aged namasake. <laughs> the good news is that this there are aged namasakes coming into the States, and this is a new style that has enough momentum behind it that there are people who are exporting this style from Japan. So mm. you too can try this. And maybe we should dive in a little bit to the particular sake we'll be tasting, let people know the brewery, and the stats for this sake, and then we'll get into the tasting. Sure. So the uh, the name of our brewery here is uh, Akishika, which I believe we did talk about uh, with our friend Brian Ashcraft a little bit when he was on the show uh, a while back. Uh, and they are located in Osaka Prefecture. Uh, and the name of the sake itself that we're going to be having is uh, Okushika. So the brewery is Akishika and the <laughs> brand is uh, Okushika. Uh, and this is their ok Okushika 2015. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is the vintage. Yes, 2015. 
Oof. Um, this is a Muroka Nama Genshu that's been in the bottle since 2015. And it's using, uh, they expressly say, estate-grown organic Yamada Nishiki. Uh, the polish on that Yamada Nishiki is 60%. Uh, and this, uh, the alcohol percentage on this is 18 because, again, Genshu. Um, and yes, this is a uh, yeast number seven. Also, we don't usually get the yeast information. Yeah, That's nice that we have that this time. Yeah. So let's yeah. dig into this a little bit. So the Yamada Nishiki, which is a king of sake rice, it is organically grown and it's their own estate grown. So this is a rice that the brewer, Mr. Oku, Hiroake Oku, is the president and the master brewer. Mm. And he has a motto for his brewery, which is from our own fields to the bottle. So this is grain grain to bottle, minimal intervention. Mm, I like that. I like that idea. I think we... We've spoken about uh, state rice before mm, yeah. and how interesting that is and how having that control over the, for lack of a better term, the upbringing of the mm. rice in the field can really have a strong impact on the resulting sake. Yeah. That's very interesting. I think it's important to mention as well that this is not a case where people are spiriting it away and aging it. Without their control. This is brewed specifically by this brewery to be aged for long periods of time. And this is their vision for this sake. So, Mm -hmm. again, from our own fields to the bottle, from grain to bottle, this brewery has a vision for what we're about to taste. (laughs) Grain to bottle with a slight detour in the aging room. (laughs) Yes. Uh, all right. So, aged Nama. This is a brave new world. Yeah. <laughs> or old, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I have to confess, I do have some reservations. I'm mm-hmm. not familiar with the style, and it goes against everything that we're taught in sake school. So, I'm really, really curious. However, the one thing that's going around in the back of my mind is another thing you and I say a lot is that some styles of sake are indestructible, right? Don't we say that? We do. Um, <laughs> we do. And this is um, when you have something that's uh, unpasteurized and undiluted and whew, all these things, it, this seems pretty indestructible to me. If you put this out for seven years yeah. and uh, it is exactly the way you want it, I, think, I don't think it's going to be easy to destroy <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Well, I do have a, a quick story. When Sometimes when I've been selling sake before, if I've been working in a shop or something, and someone comes in to buy a bottle of Nama sake or unpasteurized sake, mm-hmm. and they're concerned that if they buy it and they do some additional shopping somewhere else and they won't get home for an hour or two, is it going to ruin the sake? And they're sweating bullets because the sake is going to be out of refrigeration for two hours. Mm-hmm. I think that the brewer here at Akishika Shuzo would laugh them out of the yeah. store. <laughs> yeah, I think um, two hours is not much of a concern here. Yeah, I, have, you, have you ever tried to, this is slightly uh, off topic, I think, but have you ever tried to shuttle a Nama home from Japan? 
I oh, I've done that many times. Okay, I was always very sheepish about it, and then somebody reminded me that as long as I kind of take care of the bottle in my hotel room, the time that I'm going to the airport is kind of inconsequential. And then once you're in the air, ice that ice, luggage compartment baby. is nice and cold, <laughs> so it's not really a concern unless you're worried about the bottle exploding or something like that. But I've never had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no the the luggage compartment on the, at thirty thousand feet is nice and chilly. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> probably probably chillier than that uh, than that hotel fridge. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. but no fridges here. This is <laughs> no. Actually, did we specify this was a Asia at room temperature? I I have to assume it was. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be as big yeah. a story if the it was bottle. The bottle that I bought, you know, I bought this in a retail store. And it was sitting out on a shelf, no refrigeration. So oh it's still unpasteurized. And oh, boy. All right. Oh, John, there's this actually... going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, there's actually a storage recommendation on the bottle. Oh, all right. Please, please, so please. I need to hear this. The bottle says, storage, cool, dark place. Cool, dark place. And then serving room temperature or slightly warmed. Well, so it does not, it does not say refrigeration. It says it, it kind of implies like maybe a wine cellar type. Yeah. I, I've been, I, I've had mine in the fridge. Me too. <laughs> I thought after seven years, it couldn't hurt a little chilling. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a little blanket too. <laughs> All right. Well, should we open it up and get it in the glass? I, I definitely think we should. Okay. I'm very curious about this. All right, some indestructible sake in the wine glass. Okay, well, it definitely has some color, but honestly, it's not as much color as I thought it would be. No, for I, I kind of thought age. this would be a lot browner. No offense yeah. to anybody uh, yeah. <clears throat> who's rooting for that. It looks uh, <laughs> like a, it looks like a white wine in the glass. You know, it has a, a golden hue to it, but it's not yeah. too dark. Yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised, much like you. Okay, let's give it a smell. Okay, the aroma's funky. Yes, this this is a little more with, in line with my expectations. <laughs> I feel there's a lot of complexity going on here. I'm not putting my finger on the aroma. It is okay. definitely a funky town, though. It's funky. Tell me, John, tell me if you think I'm crazy, but... It actually smells a little bit Parmigiani to me. I know you're not a cheese connoisseur. <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a little... No, you don't like that idea. I mean, I don't like Parmesan. I mean, Parmesan's okay, but I don't like mm. a lot of it. Yeah, I'm getting um, definite umami and kind of lactic dairy and... A little bit of a cheese note on the aroma. Definitely it's, the cheese note. Yeah. It, it smells funky and deep. All right. I'm going to taste. Hmm. Okay. Well, the flavor is very close to the aroma for me. You know, we've had those sakes on the show where the aroma is one thing and the palate is something very different. Right. This, this lines up and there is a richness here 
there's a definite lactic character, a funkiness, and there is a flavor descriptor that we use for aged flavor. Mm. Like a little oxidized, a little bit uh, exposed to time. And that's coming through on the palate for me as well. I, I believe I can say this with the utmost confidence. And I can say that I've never tasted anything mm. like this or exactly like this. This is a new and completely different style for me. And I don't have the language because I've literally never experienced it before. It's just so other. It's so different. Yeah. Very well said. I completely agree. It's, it's a unique approach and it is unlike anything we've tasted before. So in that regard, it is definitely extreme. Oh yeah, like this this is hitting all the extreme notes for me. <laughs> Definitely, there's um, you know, I, so I can't un you know, power suggestion and all that. I guess I cannot unsmell the <laughs> oh, cheese. No. Oh no, uh, you sorry, that's yeah, okay. So I'm not taking big wafts of the aroma on this one because I'm just not a fan of cheese. Um, having said that, this taste is just so bizarre and so unusual that I, I I'm like I keep sipping because I want to try and figure out like where the journey ends because mm-hmm. it's, it's got such depth to it yeah and it's it's very unusual and like just like I said just nothing I have ever experienced before in a sake it's very odd yeah. maybe in anything wow yeah yeah really well said I I will for the listeners who are tuning in today who are perhaps cheese lovers, unlike <laughs> certain other people on the call. If you know, you're a normal lover, people, normal <laughs> people, I think I would say average normal people like cheese. Okay. I'm the weird one. It's not, it's not anybody else's fault. Well, if you are a cheese lover and you like Parmesan and you've ever had those Parmesan crackers, I don't know if you like cheese, it's John or any of those cheese crackers, but they make these Parmesan crisp crackers that, have a specific texture, a specific smell, and it very, very much reminds me of these Parmesan crackers. So um, a little bit of grain, a little bit of rice, and then a dairy cheesy note on top. And I'm having it pretty close to room temperature, Mm -hmm. but I think warm might be the saving grace for this sake and really bring it home. Hmm. Well, you know, through the magic of editing, we can test that out if you want. Aha! And now, we have warmed sake. Yes. Through the magic of podcasting. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we've warmed up the Oku Shika 2015, and I'm ready to give it another smell. Okay. The surprises never stop coming. This smells much less like Parmesan. Do you agree? I have this a big smile on my face, Tim. All right. <laughs> I, the lack of, lack of cheese is a, is a plus for me. Yes. In, in many, in many aspects of my life. Yep. It's amazing. It really, well, you know, when you warm certain sakes, you can dissipate aromas, which you don't want to do with those 
super fruity, melony fruit bombs we always drink. That's mm -hmm. why they say never warm up those super ginjo sakes. But this one did kind of dissipate this more concentrated dairy umami aroma. It and did. it's a, coming out a little bit lighter, which is good for John. Very good for John. Okay. <laughs> well, let's give this warm sake a taste. And I have mine warmed to probably like 115 degrees, not piping, piping hot, um, just a gentle warming. Mm -hmm. All right. Hmm. Hey. I like it a lot better. I think I found the sweet spot for this sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. It removes a lot of the dairy and the cheese cast to the sake, and it actually makes it taste a little bit more acidic and a little bit sweeter. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? It. Do I mean, I don't know if it makes sense, but it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have more more sweetness coming through, and... It feels a little bit warmer on the palate as well, not not temperature-wise, but a little bit more of the alcohol is coming through, which is completely expected when you serve a yes. sake yeah. that's 18% alcohol. When you warm it up, you're going to get a little bit more of those alcohol notes coming forward, which is happening here. But it's kind of evened it out a little bit like if it was if it had bed head before it's kind of run the comb <laughs> through <laughs> the hair all right i like it i like it <laughs> yeah very very mm. different experience when it's warmed up and yeah. you know a much more you know much more pleasant much more uh imminently drinkable like this is like really mm. sippable now yeah whereas i feel like you know, when I had it before, I was talking a lot about depth and not even be able to see the bottom. Uh, whereas mm. now, it's it's become a kind of a little more compact, a little bit more understandable, mm. and you can take that as you will. But I, um, but I do think that you know, it does definitely change it in in extreme, ah, extreme ways. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we've had an extreme sake undergo an extreme transformation. Yes. Quite quite a ways, quite a bit of extreme going on here. Now, I think this sake really lives up to the extreme series name. Mm -hmm. What is your impression now of aging unpasteurized sake? <laughs> Do you think this is something that should be pursued? Do you think this is a trend that's going to go away in another 7 years? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could definitely see it becoming a trend it is definitely the people who are, who are advocates of this style of sake are really, really into it. They're very passionate about it. You know, yes. um, you know, the, 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 the place where we actually purchased this over in Brooklyn at, uh, uh, at Bin Bin, uh, George over there is a big proponent of aging, all manner of sake, uh, <laughs> and, and is a big fan of this as well. And of course, the the guy who who exports this over in Japan, uh, Yoram, uh, over in Kyoto, you know, obviously feels very strongly about this style and and wants to see it flourish. So there's advocates in Japan that mm -hmm. really cherish and root for this style. My personal feelings aside, I don't think this is going to be everyone's cup of tea. Just because no. <laughs> it's it's strongly flavored, 
it's got a lot of personality and a lot of flavor. And I think for some people, they're going to want something a little bit lighter and more easy drinking. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I, I generally, you know, that describes me pretty directly. I feel seen. <laughs> you feel seen? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think this definitely has its place. And I think that we need envelope pushing. We've talked about this on the podcast before, that if yeah. there's an envelope in the sake world, it should be pushed because we need more variety. We need more styles. We need to do everything we can to recruit more diverse palates to sake. And I think something like aged, unpasteurized namasake is just the ticket that the industry as a whole needs to shake things up and bring in new voices to the sake world. Yeah, what do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, we, we've, said, we've said this uh, on the show plenty of times that when we come across sake, that's not for us. That's a, kind of a good thing. It means that sake is yes. wider than our own personal tastes. Yes. And I feel that having this one warm, especially, even if it's not my everyday cup of tea, I feel like I can totally see myself drinking this with the right pairing or at the right circumstance. And it is enjoyable at the right temperature. Hmm. And that really surprised me. Yeah. The, the transformation just went through uh, when we changed temperatures on it. I've tasted sake. give you a very different experience at varying temperatures, but I've never seen one this extreme. I've never had hmm. one this, this, this much of a variance. It's so interesting. You know, is this, is this, is this the magic of seven-year aged Nama, or is it, you know, the magic of estate-grown rice? <laughs> what are we seeing here? You know, and, and it's so much we don't even know. One stat we may also want to call out is the alcohol percentage. When you're aging something unpasteurized for mm -hmm. that long, having a higher alcohol percentage is an important factor, I believe, because the higher alcohol sakes are more resistant to spoilage when they're unpasteurized. So mm -hmm. taking something to a higher alcohol and not adding water gives a sake the foundation, the kind of robust foundation it needs to age more successfully. So you'll find a lot of aged sakes, a lot of koshus do come in those higher alcohol percentages. And that's something they've done here. And it really plays up that aspect of it when you warm it. You know, that side of it comes out and shines when it's warmed mm -hmm. very nice well okay john we've had this sake chilled we've had this sake warmed. so my question for you is what do you think about sealing this back up and aging it further do you think that is interesting things to do or do you think it's going to continue to evolve or do you think it's reached its peak when the brewer released it? Any thoughts on, on that? Well, normally I'd say with well, the brewer's intent is the way they put it on the shelf, yeah. but something that we learned from our experience talking about Tamagawa is that in that case, the brewer there makes wonderful, indestructible sake and his perspective on that is that you should take it home and you should age it more. 
Because mm. when he hands it out, it's not in his mind. It's not done. It just escaped. Uh, so, um, you know, I think that maybe on the for, loose. <laughs> <laughs> um, for that style of sake, this indestructible style of sake, maybe that's the golden rule. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think you've hit on it. I, I'm of the mindset that this sake could continue to age in the bottle after it's been opened, even at room temperature, and it would continue to evolve new aspects to it and concentrate the flavor a little more. So I would not be afraid at all to continue aging this at home, and I mm-hmm. think that's exactly what I'm going to do with what I have left in the bottle. And uh, when the weather cools down and it gets really chilly again, I may break it out, warm it up, and see what happens after another six months, another year. Hmm. Nice. I think that's a fun idea. So tune into the show next year. and we'll just <laughs> <laughs> Join us for episode 208. <laughs> yes. We'll take this sake off the shelf and see what happens. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it actually in um, in sake revolution tradition, we should probably uh, have this in like August and then yes. warm it up. <laughs> yes. We have a pretty bad track record for serving warm sake in the summer and chilled sake in the winter. Yeah, but we'll get it. We'll get one it straightened out one of one these of years. years. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Ah, well, is it is it time is it time to thank the people yet, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we survived and actually thrived through another foray into the world of extreme sake. And I think this was a very interesting corner of the extremities that sake can reach. I hope people might have had their interest peaked. And if you are interested in learning more about aged sake that is unpasteurized, please visit our website. You can check our show notes and we'll have some links in there where you can look to buy the sake for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank all of our listeners so much for tuning in. We really do hope that you're enjoying our show. I also want to take a moment to thank our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting Sake Revolution. And if you would like to become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash sake revolution. And if you would like to reach out to us directly, if you have uh, sake questions that you need answered, you've got a, a nama that's been sitting on your shelf for just years, and you're wondering, is it good enough to drink? If it is very, very dark in color, probably not. But uh, if it has been made specifically for this, then absolutely yes. Anyway, we do want to hear from you. We have an email address set just for that is the uh, the best way to get in touch with us. It's feedback at sakerevolution.com. So, please raise your vessel of choice. Please remember to keep drinking sake and kampai! kampai.